If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg, bringing you a bonus break. The bonus break is a mini episode that you can listen to while taking a coffee break and gain insight that will help you and your nonprofit be even more successful. And this bonus break is an Ask Dolph episode. We've done a couple of these already, and almost every week I get questions from listeners or former clients or others who just want some quick advice, and I'm always, always happy to respond. And so I wanted to bring three questions to you because they're questions that I've gotten from other folks as well. I've always got to start by saying that I try very hard to keep it anonymous, so I will change names, change uh, locations and cities, and sometimes even change genders, because I never want anyone to feel like I am throwing them under the bus or I am airing their question out publicly without their permission to do so. So the first question came from a webinar participant about maybe a month and a half, two months ago, we did a webinar on strategic planning. And the participant asked this question. A donor has asked us to share our strategic plan at the end of next week, and we have never really had a proper written plan. Any recommendations, Dolph, on how I can pull something together? Let me just start by saying that that's what I think of as a decoy strategic plan. And that's when we've not done the work necessary, pulled together the stakeholders, really reviewed the analyses of our finances and our fundraising and our programs, and we kind of just dash something together. And, you know, when you see a decoy duck, for the most part, you know that it's not a real duck. Now, maybe other ducks don't know it, but you know that it's not a real duck. And so, in a nutshell, 
I would strongly recommend that you not throw together a decoy to strategic plan. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to throw it together. You know, if it's due sometime the next week, chances are you're going to throw it together with only a few hours of work. And you're going to send it over to your funder. And your funder's going to think one of two things. They're either going to think, wow, this is not a great strategic plan. I don't really see all the components that I would expect to see. And I don't have a sense that the work was done that is necessary for this to be a good strategic plan. So in that case, and by the way, that's probably your best case if you throw together a decoy plan and send it over. They'll just think, eh, you had a bad consultant and you didn't get a great plan. But the worst case scenario is the funder looks at that and they know it's a decoy. They're like, yeah, this isn't a real plan. And instead of the organization and you as the leader coming and being really forthright and honest with me as a funder, You know, instead you threw something together hoping that I would not notice that it's a decoy. So what I would recommend you do instead of throwing something together, I would recommend that you take those few hours and think through the conversation that you're going to have with your funder. And this is an area where radical transparency is really important. So I would just say to the funder, hey, you know, we have never really had a strategic plan. We were kind of thrown off when you asked for it, but we know that this is something that we should be working on and we're hoping to start a planning process and then be honest about when you think you might start it, in the next year, in the next two years. And by the way, this is also a great opportunity for you then to ask them to give you additional dollars to actually put together a plan. And so as part of that conversation, you can say, you know, one of the reasons we've never had a strategic plan is because we've not had the funding necessary to hire a great consultant and facilitate the process for us. So as you're thinking about your grant or your gift this year, we hope you're going to consider maybe something extra that will help us hire a consultant and put together the plan. And so that question, again, came from one of our webinar participants a couple months ago. And as I'm thinking about webinars, I also just want to let you know that we have a webinar coming up later in May, on May 26th, and we are going to be sharing information about onboarding your new chief executive. So if you are on the board or if you are a newer chief executive, and you're interested in finding out what a great onboarding plan looks like that really sets the chief executive up for success, then please make sure you go to SuccessfulNonprofits.com and register for that webinar. It is a totally free webinar. The next question came from a podcast listener who emailed me from the website. And here is what the listener wrote. Hey, Dolph, I'm a fan of the podcast and the information and advice you have in both the podcast and the blog. In the episode about executive director board reports, which helped me immensely, you mentioned that you would add a template for a dashboard to a future blog post. I'm searching and can't find it anywhere on the website. Is this still a future item or am I just not knowing where to look? I've been wanting something like that for months. Thanks for your help. So first of all, let me say thanks for the kind words about the podcast and the blog. 
one of the reasons that I do the podcast and one of the reasons I do the blog is I know that a lot of organizations are looking for technical support that is easily available at no cost. And this is part of how successful nonprofits and myself, how we fulfill that mission. Now, let me also just say that this listener's email was the perfect kick in the pants that I needed because the template had been ready for weeks, if not months, but the blog post wasn't. So after sending the listener the template so they would not have to wait for the blog post to be published, I've finished the blog post and that has now been published as well. And you can actually find that at SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash dashboard. And at that link, you can download a dashboard template. And there's actually three templates within one Excel file. One is an organizational dashboard for an organization without a building. The second is for an organization with a facility. And the third is a simple fundraising dashboard. Now, let me just say that these Excel files are fully modifiable. So you can download it and you can change it so that it works for your organization. What I've done is created one for a generic organization. Now, while we're talking about dashboards, I just want to share a few additional things. I know for some folks, dashboard might be a newer concept, but the dashboard for your organization or for a department is not unlike the dashboard on your car in that you can look on your dash and there's typically 25 to 30 different lights on your dash and you have a strong sense of how your car is doing. You know if you need to get it serviced, if you need to put gasoline in the car, or if, for example, you left your blinker on and now you're telling everyone that you think you're going to be turning left when in reality you're going straight. Now, I also want to share with you, because I was thinking about dashboards and preparing for this mini bonus break, I thought about my very first car. And I bought my very first car when I was 26 years old. I bought it in 1987, and it was, sorry, 1997, and it was a 1971 Volkswagen Bug. Now, you can probably picture that classic car. It's an air-cooled engine. By the way, that car was built in the same year I was born. And so at 26, you know, when you're a person, that's not that old. When you're a car, that's pretty old. And as I think back about my Volkswagen dashboard, I think there were only two gauges on the dashboard. There was a speedometer gauge, which told me how fast I was going. And there was a fuel gauge, which, by the way, didn't work very well. And this car, by the way, because it was my first, I loved it, but this car had some issues. Everything in the car or on the car made a noise except the horn and the radio. Like literally, I rewired both the horn and the radio, could never, ever get them to work. But I also joke about this car because it was reliable and that it reliably broke down and left me on the side of the road about once a month. And part of the reason that I would often break down on the side of the road is there were not enough gauges on the dashboard, so I did not know if something was going wrong. And so how I learned that my gas gauge was not accurate was I ran out of gas one time. It said I still had half a tank, but I ran out of gas one time. Another time, because there was no oil gauge anywhere on the dashboard, guess what? 
I actually ran out of oil and did some damage to my engine. Once again, found myself on the side of the road. So when we think about dashboards, those gauges, the the items that we put on there and that we're measuring and tracking and keeping an eye on, they're telling us, are we moving toward our goal, toward achieving our mission, or are we at risk of not meeting our goals? And that is why a dashboard is so incredibly important. And in the blog post, I also talk about four factors that every dashboard should have. And I created this little acronym, which is DASH. And D stands for data. So you've got to have data. And it's got to be quantifiable data. You can even take qualitative data and and turn that into quantifiable data, whether that is through, for example, surveying clients about their satisfaction on a regular basis and then showing those results um, in your dashboard. So if you do that, you've taken qualitative data and you've turned it into data that can actually be counted. The second is that the dashboard data has to be accurate. So the A is for accurate. Remember I shared with you that I actually ran out of gas one time. It's the only time in my life I've ever run out of gas. And when it's, and that's when I realized that my gas gauge on my Volkswagen bug was not accurate. So if the data is not accurate, if your board can't rely on it, if you can't rely on it as a chief executive or an executive within your organization, you're going to find yourself on the side of the road too. Now, The S in DASH stands for simple. And I think about simple in two ways. The first is it has to be simple for you and the people who are putting it together. If this takes you 10 hours to put together and you're going to try to get this dashboard out once a month, guess what? It's not going to happen because it's too labor intensive. So really look for the data that you're already generating in some way. That's easy in your financials because you should be generating financial data every month no matter what. It might be more difficult on things like programs or donor data. But in some cases, it means that you will need to start generating that data on a monthly basis. And in the ideal world, that not only is used in the dashboard that you share with your board, but it's also used as a management tool within each of your departments. And if you're the chief executive, as you're working with each one of your senior leadership team members. Now, when I say simple, I also mean something else. You have to be able to understand it easily. So if you're giving this dashboard to a funder who has never seen your dashboard before, can they look at it and in about three to five minutes have a general sense of how your organization is performing programmatically, financially, fundraising, etc.? Now, if they can do that in three to five minutes, it is simple enough for your average reader who you might be sharing it with. And the very last thing, H in Dash, is high level. Everything that you share in your dashboard needs to be high level. You don't want your board in the weeds, but you also don't want to have so much on your dashboard that there's 150 different items because people aren't going to actually review that. Even when it's color-coded with something like red, yellow, and green, people are not going to review it. 
Now, if you want more information about dashboards, I've got more tips in that blog post. It's successfulnonprofits.com forward slash dashboard. The very last question that I'm going to share today comes from a blog reader. And I got emailed to me from the website and the person says this, I just read your blog post about board expectations and you seem to require a lot from a board member. I actually shared the post with my board chair and we both think that it's hard enough finding board members now. If we have such high demands of our board members, we aren't going to have anyone on our board. I understand that feeling, and quite frankly, I have actually had board members sometimes say that to me in a sidebar conversation as we're developing expectations. My general take on this, though, is do you know what would be even worse? Having really low or no standards for your board members and finding people who barely meet them. Then you've got a low-performing board that frustrates the chief executive, is not doing their job, and frankly, harms the organization's ability to be successful. The second thing I will often say is, let's unpack these board expectations, because when I talk about them, and these are the four that I talk about in that blog post, what we're talking about are meeting attendance, committee participation, giving, and fundraising. Now, The first two are just non-negotiables. You can't be on the board if you aren't going to be attending meetings. And we're not even talking 100% of meetings. But if you can't make it to at least three-quarters of the meetings that your board is having, it is very difficult for you to actually engage in the governance activities that you are supposed to be doing. And so for me, those two are just non-negotiable. And if someone is too busy to attend board meetings, you know what? They are probably too busy to do all of the rest of the work that you are looking for from your board outside of meetings. The second two, though, giving and fundraising. You know, that's a bar that the board sets for itself. They decide what is the right amount that everybody should be personally giving, and if there's a fundraising requirement, what amount everybody should be fundraising. But here is what I do know. Board members that make a contribution that is significant for them and their household are more engaged board members. And board members who ask someone else to give as well, even if it seems a little scary to them, even if it feels a little uncomfortable, board members who ask someone else to join them as a donor to the organization, you know what happens? Suddenly, their own commitment expands. They feel closer to the organization, and they feel more invested in the organization. And so, as I think about those four areas, the other thing I think about is high-performing board members aren't afraid of goals. High-performing people are inspired by goals. And not only that, but the high-performing people that you want on your board inspire others to meet those goals as well. So yes, if you have high expectations, it might turn off some people from serving on your board. But guess what? Those are the people you probably don't want on their board to begin with. One of the corollary items that I will sometimes get 
And this typically, again, it happens like as a sidebar when I'm working with a board. Someone who's really concerned about creating expectations, and I mean, this is a legitimate concern for them. I'm not trying to minimize their concern, and I'm also not trying to say that their concern is unfounded. But someone who is genuinely concerned will come up to me and say, hey, Dolph, what if a wealthy, famous, and busy person, someone like Tyler Perry, wants to join our board? But they already know, Tyler Perry, for example, already knows that he can't meet our attendance requirements or our committee participation requirements. But we would benefit from the name recognition. And frankly, Dolph, we don't care if Tyler Perry gives us money or attends a meeting. We just want to be able to say he's on our board because it will attract other people. But these requirements will be a barrier and Tyler Perry won't join our board. Now, I typically try to make sure that I'm alone or little ways from everyone else with that board member. And I'll kind of joke and I'll say, well, has Tyler Perry expressed an interest in serving on your board? Every single time, whether in Atlanta, we're talking about Bernie Marcus, Tyler Perry, Ted Turner, whoever. Every single time they say, well, no, Tyler Perry hasn't. But what about people like Tyler Perry? And then I will often start to explore that with them a little bit. And I will ask the question, have they ever given to a cause because a famous person was on the board? And they'll say, oh, well, yeah. And then sometimes they'll even name the cause and the famous person. And I'll say, okay, well, you know, we're we're really lucky because we live at a time when we have these magical phones in our pocket and they're connected to all the knowledge in the universe. So let's Google and see if this famous person has ever made a gift to the organization. Guess what? It turns out they have. And oftentimes, this famous person has served as an officer of the organization, which almost invariably means that they're attending board meetings. And so from my perspective, these are really non-negotiables. Every board member and every board has to have expectations around meeting attendance, committee participation, personal giving, and fundraising. Where those bars are set is up to the board, but a bar needs to be set and individual board members need to meet those expectations. And in recruiting board members, we need to be really clear about what those expectations are. Well, listeners, that is our bonus break for this week. Don't forget, in May, we have got a phenomenal webinar where we're going to be helping boards, executives, others understand how to create an onboarding plan for their new chief executive. If you're in an organization that is just about to have a new chief executive or just got a new chief executive, this is probably a webinar that you really want to register for. And you can do that at SuccessfulNonprofits.com. That is our bonus break. I hope that you have gained some insight to help your nonprofit thrive in a competitive environment. And just a quick reminder that I am not an accountant nor an attorney. And neither I nor the Goldenberg Group provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. 
This bonus break is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for tax, legal, accounting advice. If that is what you are looking for, please find a qualified, licensed professional in your area and reach out to them. If you are not sure who to reach out to, send me an email or give me a call. I am happy to see if there's someone I know in your area.